0: All right, here we go, guys. The NBA podcast is back. I'm your host, Sleepy J, joined once again by NBA betting expert, Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, it was fantastic last year. NBA podcast did absolutely amazing with this season just a few days away. Why don't you tell me, Mackenzie, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you
1: for the upcoming NBA season? That would be a 10.0, sir. I tried. I cranked it all the way up. That's as high as it goes. I might break it, though. Because I couldn't be more excited. The NBA was great to us last year. I feel like I have more tools at my fingertips, more knowledge, and uh, more time. Honestly, to just commit to this, I can't wait for the season.
0: I did not think you were going to say ten. I thought maybe you'd be somewhere around like maybe like an eight point eight. I figured maybe <laughs> it would get really ratcheted up come Tuesday night. I underestimated you, but look, I am excited too, Mackenzie. So, you know, why don't we go ahead? Let's talk a little bit, you know, about the pod and, and what we're going to do and, and everything that's on the horizon this year you know, for our NBA podcast listeners, the podcast, this one here that we're going to do, this is going to be a Western Conference preview. Mac and I will talk about every team up, down, neutral. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you guys three Western Conference team totals that we like. We're either going to go under, we're going to go over. Now, the next podcast that we drop, it's going to be the Eastern Conference preview. Same exact format, no surprises. But we do have some surprises for you guys this season. And before we get into that, Let's go ahead and let's talk about this upcoming Monday. Now, guys, the season starts here on Tuesday, and we got Curry versus LeBron. We got Embiid versus Tatum, TNT doubleheader. To go ahead and kick off the season, Mackenzie and I, we're going to do a Monday podcast, and in that podcast, we're going to do a preview of the Tuesday games, and we're also going to give out our team total win total of the year, and we're going to go ahead and give out our division winner prop of the year. Again, that's on Monday. That's Monday's podcast, and I could see – maybe another future wager, maybe talking some MVP, six man of the year, coach of the year, those types of things. But Mackenzie and I are not only going to try to make you guys some money, we want you guys to make some money for yourself. So what we did was we developed a contest for you. So Mackenzie, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what the contest will be about and where they will be able to go ahead and find that.
1: Yes, you want to go to pregame.com to the forum section. We're going to have, we want to be you know, involved with you guys during the season, talking the NBA, talking different teams, different matchup. So we thought of this on pregame.com. You go to the forums page on Wednesdays. Remember, record on Tuesday nights. We're going to have a contest. Pick five players that you think we're going to score the most points on a Wednesday night of NBA action. So you might want to go off the board or you might want to pick the five highest scorers in the NBA. A lot of other people are going to pick that too. However you do it, The idea is whoever has the single lineup, kind of like Daily Fantasy, the five players with the highest scoring total on that Wednesday night, they're going to give you $55 of free dollars at pregame.com, bulk dollars, spends like cash, spend it on all your favorite handicappers and it's free. All you got to do is enter this contest and let's be honest, the 55 bulk dollars is nice. You want to say that you were the winner at pregame.com on the forum, so We're going to be making our selection. We're going to cook up a little sausage here on this podcast, tell you the matchups that we're interested, maybe a player prop total that we think will go over and we're going to be betting over. We're going to pick our five players. If we win and we stiff arm the lot of you and every single one of you falls flat on your face and we pick the five highest players with the best scoring total, well, we're going to make fun of you guys and we're going to pat ourselves on the back because there's a lot more of you than there is of us. But if we do that, no problem. You still guys get the same rewards. It's going to be rolled over. So $110 of bulk dollars will be the next Wednesday. And this going to be a weekly thing, fun contest, free to enter, just the five players you think are going to score the most. And uh, we're going to be right along with you. So it should make for some interesting conversation, I think. All right. So you guys got that one. That will be in the
0: pregame.com forum. We'll sticky that thread right at the top. So you guys who are going over to pregame and signing up and doing all that, It'll be right there. You guys go in there, you put your players in, say these are the five players I think that are going to be the highest scores for the day, and I'll lock that thread at 7 o'clock tip-off, and then we'll come back and we'll see who won. So that's going to be fun. I think that there's going to be you know, a lot of winners with that throughout the season, and as McKenzie said, you know if we, if we take you guys down, we'll go ahead, we'll roll that over and try to get you guys some more money. You could buy picks from me or McKenzie or Fezzik or whoever, so it'll be interesting. And then on Fridays, and I'm really excited about this one. It's a situation that probably many wish that they could be in. Mac, I know you're excited about this. Why don't you tell them what our Friday podcast feature is going to be?
1: Yes, sir. The Friday's featured segment is going to be the Fezzik bankroll bet. So when you're Steve Fezzik and you have a mansion and a yacht, uh, one of your problems is you can't necessarily get down every which way you want to get down. So you got to partner with people and... Uh, Thankfully, with our uh, hard work last year and our success at last year, I think we've shown Fez. And he was, he was uh, let's say, impressed with our 57.1% collectively, over 345 plays documented on pregame.com. 57.1%. So he's like, all right, young ones, good job. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to do what I do best, let you what you do best. And collectively, it's going to be best for everybody. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to have an individual bet we make once a week during the Friday podcast called the Fezic Bankroll Bet. It's going to be $500 a pop that Fezzik has been kind enough to tell us he will fund. And even better, he's going to do what he does best. We're going to handicap. We're going to put our brains together and think of the single wager, side or total that we like on the next day's card of the NBA. So Saturday's card, recorded on the Friday podcast, we're going to give that to Fez. He's going to use his 30, 40 outs, whatever he needs to do. He's going to get us the very best number in the world. He's going to get us down. We're going to take a screenshot of that wager. We're going to post that to our Twitters, and you guys get to participate. You guys get to see it done. I think, honestly, Sleep, when we do the NBA, I don't know a duo that takes in the whole picture the way that we do, and I think we've proven that. We were profitable six out of six nights. During the NBA finals last time we were doing this podcast and uh, I think we keep it going very glad that the best I think executor of betting maybe the best handicapper also in the world but definitively the best better that I know he's going to be participating and he's going to be getting us the best number and we're going to watch that account grow $500 a time I can't wait you know a collective idea that we were texting back and forth talking back and forth Uh, Fezzik got involved and I think we're all very excited uh, to show you how it's done and make some money together. That's going to be super exciting. So let's just leave
0: that where it's at. Let's wrap this up. So here's what we have, guys. So our two main podcasts for the NBA season, they'll be on Tuesday and Friday, released at night, same as they were last season. But wait, there's more. Mackenzie and I wanted to share more with you guys this year. And I, and I do have to say this. You know, you guys were really supportive of this podcast last year. You know, the comments on pregame, the Twitter IMs, DMs, they were awesome, and, and they were totally motivating, motivating for Mac and myself, and if you weren't subscribed to this podcast, I uh, I honestly don't know what the hell you're doing, but let's just go back to last year, and, and this is documented at pregame.com, like Mackenzie said, you know, 57.1%, we were plus 104.45 units, that is pregame verified, the games are there, 345 games in the NBA last season, I challenge you to find a better duo. I will challenge you to go find a duo that did better than that. Mac, do you have anything to say on what we did last year? Like, you know, if we were flipping coins, do we have a chance to even duplicate that or maybe even surpass that?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, there's always a chance. If you're flipping coins and you want to flip 345 times and you want to have a 57.1% chance uh, success rate, sure, you have a chance. You have a point zero three percent chance so there's a 003 percent chance that we were just very very fortunate last year and we were completely flipping coins there's a 99.7 percent chance that we know what we're doing all right so it sounds like we have another mountain to
0: climb but we're up for the challenge so as i was saying here, here's what me and mac are also going to do for you guys and we debated this for a little bit but on monday wednesday and thursday check out our twitter accounts at SleepyJ underscore pregame and at mac and rivers Mackenzie and I, we decided we're going to do a 10-minute little quick pod for you guys. Now, here's our thinking on this. One of us are going to try to sell the other one, three wagers, for the day's card. And Handicap, it's going to be graded on a scale of 1 to 10, and we're going to have to buy one of those picks. We'll come up with an agreement on that, and then we'll make that our wager of the day. Now, again, those are quick podcasts. They'll only be available on our Twitter account, SoundCloud, or the Pregame.com forum. You will hear this spiel again on the next podcast and on Monday's podcast. But we want to make sure that everybody knows, you know, what exactly is going on with the NBA podcast this upcoming season. So with all that out of the way, let's go ahead. Let's dive into the Western Conference preview. Let's go and let's start out with the NBA champions from a season ago. The Golden State Warriors, our pick last year on the podcast. So the Golden State Warriors right now, the odds to win the title. And we're taking a consensus shop line from pregame research. Golden State Warriors right now to go ahead and win the title, plus 650. Their season win total is set at 51 and a half. Mac, it's the bad boys from the Bay Area. How you feeling about Golden State going into this season?
1: Uh, I don't know if I feel as good as I did about a month ago. I mean, everything seemed rosy. It seemed like the perfect mix of uh, Draymond Green and Klay Thompson on their last uh, vestiges of being an elite player while they have Uh, you know, a stable of guys that are right on that precipice of Jordan Poole's already an elite player, you know, top 50 player in the league. And they have guys in Moody. Wiseman has started to show signs in the preseason. Kaminga played finals minutes last year's rookie season. That never happens. That said, I think they got to trade Draymond Green. I don't think that he is worth, uh, the juice is worth the squeeze at this point. And it's not just the fact that he punched a teammate, but it looked like as hard as he could and knocked him out cold, which is, less than ideal. Uh, It's because they had to bench him during the finals. This guy's getting $30 million a year, wants an extension, wants to be a max played guy. He hasn't been that guy for a long time. And I think he's arguably the best help defender in the league. I don't think he's worth the money that they're paying him. And I think that's a big elephant in the room. I think he knows it. I think it might've, he said he denied it. Everyone denied it. I think it might've had something to do with his frustration at Jordan Poole because Jordan Poole, probably by the end of this weekend, is going to get a four-year, $120 million deal. He is part of the Warriors' future. So there's that turbulence upsets the apple cart a little bit. Whether or not that affects their over-under in this bet, I'm not sure. I, I, I think before this came up, it was the same question. They're good enough to win 60 games. Last year, all three of their big three missed a ton of games. If that happens again, they probably... Get around this number, so it, you're, it's more of a bet on the health of the big three. But uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be on the sidelines of this one. Yeah, I saw the uh, the Derremont Green punch, and that wasn't thrown just
0: out of frustration. That that was, you know, meant to hurt Jordan Poole, And I think a lot of people would agree.
1: You got knocked the
0: And that's the absolute truth. But here is the, the other truth to this. The Golden State Warriors are good enough to win a title again this year. And if you go back and you watch the finals from last year, the Golden State Warriors don't win the game that they cut the Nets down unless Draymond Green's on the floor. He was that dominating. And if you can get those type of games out of that guy, regardless of the situation that's going on right now in Golden State, you're going to be able to compete for a title. Now, Mac, I agree with you. Like, is he worth the money he's getting paid? Probably not. And is Jordan Poole going to take some cash off the table? Probably so. And I don't know how long this team, you know, was going to be together to win titles, but they're together now. And Looney's not there. And, and Wiseman is. And, and this team could be one of those buzz saws that goes through the league again. I mean, this was a team last year that we looked at and on paper, I was looking at them. I'm like, this this is the deepest team in the league, potentially the most talented team in the league. And they're going to start seeing people when they're healthy and they're just going to beat them. And, and there's nothing you can do about it. And Steph Curry, in my opinion, he's easily a top three NBA player. I get it. You know, people are going to be like, oh, he's getting older. It doesn't matter. Like that dude doesn't have to play, you know, a physical type of game. He'll shoot your lights out. You, do you not think Clay Thompson's going to be better this year? Andrew Wiggins stepped right in and looked like he, he's he been there for years. Wiseman's going to make a monster difference down low. Like, I can see this team, you know, potentially going over this win total rather easily. I think they could certainly win the title. I haven't made my official title bet thus far, but we'll go ahead and, and, and you know, we'll see you know, how everything works out with the Golden State Warriors. With that said, let's go. Let's jump over to uh, the Phoenix Suns. Current title odds right now at 10-1 to 1 season win total. 52 and a half mac how you feeling about phoenix this
1: upcoming season on paper this is the same team that won 64 games last year had the best scoring margin looked like a buzzsaw looked like the team to beat was the title favorites coming in and then they had the playoffs and not only did they lose in seven games in the semifinals, but they were embarrassed they had one of the worst seventh games i've ever seen how much of that was chris paul's hamstring how much of that was uh previously undisclosed since reported bout with COVID that might have inflicted the Suns right around their trip from the game six in Dallas to game seven back in Phoenix. I don't know. When in doubt, you look at a larger sample size and Chris Paul, since he left Houston, has covered about 60% of his games one year with OKC and now two years with Phoenix maybe there is some bugaboos in the regular in the playoffs that Chris Paul is not going to be able to get over. He's a year older. He's one more year into his vegan diet. Maybe that superpowers that he got from that switch uh, will one day wear off. But this number seems low to me. I, I, I look to the over the Warriors. I think their title odds interest me more than their win total because I think they might coast a little bit might rest a lot of guys. They only won 53 games last year with the Suns. It's reversed. I'm less optimistic about their playoff chances, but I think This number seems low to me. I think they win 55-plus games.
0: I think this team's built to win in the West. I think that they're going all in again here, and I think that they have to because, you know, they almost lost eight. And as you mentioned, you know, Chris Paul's getting into the twilight. But, you know, Chris Paul last last year in in some of those playoff games, he, he clearly knocked the Pelicans out all by himself. That guy was just amazing. And he made me, you know, reconsider my top point guards of all time. I mean, I thought Chris Paul was amazing. But this is if they're gonna do it, this has to be the team. Otherwise, they're, I think after this year, Mac, I think you'd agree, this team's probably not gonna be together the way that they are now. But they have to stay healthy. You can't beat you know good basketball teams in the playoffs if you're not healthy. And Paul wasn't, Booker wasn't, and now there's no Crowder on this team. And I actually think that's an upgrade with Cam Johnson stepping in. So I'm not against the Suns in any way. I was actually a little concerned last year, you know, going up against that team. You know, in, in certain games and in playoff series going, you know what, this, this team's good, man. Like, I don't know if their records are fugazi and their their season win total right now is set at fifty two I'd kind of be with the Mac. I think that they can go over. And like you said, like the, they're probably more built for like the regular season versus the playoffs. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Suns right now. I'm, I'm, I'm more or less neutral
1: on this team, but kind of leaning a little bit more towards um you know being being optimistic if we get the chris paul that you mentioned from the pelican series if that's the guy that we get all year Suns are going to cruise Suns are going to be a great team his points per game his turnovers per game went off a cliff in the maverick series if that's if that's the guy we get then i mean we don't have a chance to get to this number so i'm optimistic that there was a reason why he fell off the last few games the last season because chris paul for the majority of the year i agree with you was was rewriting the record books in terms of all-time great point guard play.
0: All right, so McKenzie and I kind of looking up a little bit here on the Suns. Let's jump over to a team that everybody's talking about, and that's the L.A. Clippers. Their title odds are actually better than the Suns right now, 7-1 to right now. The current season win total, same exact as the Suns, at 52 and a half. McKenzie, a lot of people think this could be potentially the best team in the NBA. Kawhi Leonard should be back and, and probably healthy. How are you seeing the Clippers this year? I mean, this is a team that that a lot of people last year did not expect to make, you know, the playing game or the playoffs or any of that. And look, they give everybody a tussle. And that was without Kawhi Leonard. I mean, you're going to add potentially a top 10, top 15 player on this team now. Are you looking at the Clippers with
1: a plus or a minus? If you think Kawhi Leonard's a top 15 player, then this number is probably where it's at. Maybe it's a little high. I think Kawhi Leonard's more likely a top five player. And I know he hasn't played in 18 months. But the last time I saw him play in a playoff series, he dominated Luka Doncic and the Mavericks. I know Luka had some crazy numbers in that series, but when it was winning time, quite 40-plus points, 70% shooting, best defense on, on the floor. It was incredible, and he did the same thing versus Utah to give them a chance in that series. And then he goes down. During one of his best games, he gets a nick on the knee. Shocking to me, he doesn't play not only the rest of that year, but the next year. And I'm optimistic why Leonard still 30, not you know, terribly old. He's come back from injuries before. I'm optimistic even if he's a point worse, even even if he's not six and a half points to the line like he was at his peak, this is still adding a top five player to a roster that should have made the you know, I mean was in the play-in last year, one of the top ten teams in the West. You add five points to any team in the West that's in that level. And you're looking at a championship contender. It all depends on how you view the Clippers. I think the Clippers are kind of what I expected. And they happen to have some bad injury luck. I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. He does his Eastern and Western over-unders. And he's like, man, the Clippers have just been a failure for four years. I'm like, okay, well, first of all, the Clippers have been together for three years. And really the entire indignation, the entire hatred that people have towards the Clippers, calling them failures, is one series. They were up 3-1. In the bubble against the Nuggets, they were cruising. They were seven-point favorites on a neutral every game because they was in a neutral, it was in the bubble. And they dropped not one, not two, but three games in a row, and it was miserable. Paul George comes out afterwards talking about how terrible mentally the bubble was for him. Kawhi Leonard doesn't say much. But yeah, it was a failure. It was an epic failure. All of those guys' legacies get a ding. But other than that, these Clippers have been what we thought they would be, in my opinion maybe the best duo in the league, and outside of them, probably the deepest team in the league. I think this team, power rating-wise, even if Kawhi Leonard takes a step back, is right there with the Warriors, right there with the Celtics, arguably the best team in the league. If Kawhi Leonard is, if, if, if I knew for a fact, if God came down to me and said, Kawhi Leonard is just as good as he was the last time you saw him, then this is the best team in the league, in my opinion. You know what I'd like to do with this team, Mac? Is I would like to bet them to go ahead and make the playoffs.
0: And or maybe potentially find an alternate team total, something where if Kawhi gets hurt and Paul George goes down for, you know, a period of time or something like that, we know that the market's going to react, you know, in a haste way. And I don't think that that's probably the correct way to think, because this team's deep, as you were saying, like they have John Wall, they have Norm Powell, Luke Kennard, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, Terrence Mann. Like this team's deep all around. They can fill holes. I think that they can afford some injuries you know to one of their two stars or both of them at times which i think that some of these guys you know will end up being rested at some point but this is a team where th- this is a team that i want to stay away from i want to wait and see uh probably a team that i'll end up looking to to go ahead and wager on you know throughout the year and say you know what this this seems good like if the, if the, if i see like maybe, and i would say maybe there's a good chance that they have like the number one scoring bench in the league number one defensive bench in the league something like that then I want to go ahead and, and try to be a little bit proactive with this team. So it's a team I'm waiting on. I think that a lot of people are buying into the hype. I hear a lot of people going ahead and betting this Clippers team uh, total over. So it's a wait and see for me. I'm going to be neutral on them, but this this could be a it's
1: going to be a tough team to knock out. Well, I'm buying in. I'm diving in right now. Give me my first best bet over fifty two and a half. You mentioned Norman Powell. Uh, Probably not one of the first four names that most people think of when I think of the Clippers. That's exactly what I'm banking on. I'm looking at, I have a chart here. I make my own player ratings, but I also chart what other media institutions have him. And he's, Norman Powell, one of my most underrated players versus what I think versus the media. CBS had him 96th in the league. ESPN had him unranked out of their top 100. I think he's like the 62nd best player in the league. And they just threw him in. By the way, the last time we saw these Clippers healthy with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, number one shooting team, not in the league, ever. Number one three-point shooting team ever. 42% from range, also best free throw shooting. They added a guy that I think is one of the more underrated players in the league in Norman Powell. I understand Kawhi Leonard is Mr. Load Management and 65 games is probably optimistic. I think give me 60 games, give me 55 games of Kawhi with Paul George, with Reggie Jackson, Norman Powell. I'm not expecting much from John Wall, honestly. I think he's going to come off the bench and be some help, not John Wall that we know of in the past. Avik Zubac, they have too much talent. One injury doesn't kill me. Give me the over Clippers, 52 and a half.
0: All right, so Max is going to go ahead and give out a best bet. And what we're going to do here, we're going to give out three teams that we each like, uh, total either under or over with that. So let's go ahead, let's jump into. This team's not that good, so as you guys know, we're in the Pacific Division. Let's talk Sacramento Kings. The odds for this team right now to win the title they vary. Right now, on like FanDuel, you can get four hundred and ninety to one, all the way up to seven hundred to one. But the team total for this team right now is set at thirty-four. Mac, I'll go first with these guys. These guys are going to be pretty quick for me. I think Sabonis helps this team. I think Harrison Barnes has just been a staple there. You know, kind of a glue guy. De'Aaron Fox, he's he's actually one of my favorite point guards in the league. I think he has a a pretty high ceiling. You bring in Kevin Horder from Atlanta. This is a good team. I think they can win 34, 35, maybe even 40 games. Could they sneak in the playoffs? I don't know. I'm not going to go in and pull the trigger on this team on on any type of season win total or, or, you know, go out on a limb and bet them, you know, to go in and win a title or a division or anything like that. But this is a team that I'm excited to watch this year. I think that they could surprise some teams and, and be
1: really pesky. So that's where I'm at with Sacramento right now. How are you feeling about them? The Seattle Mariners making the playoffs makes me lean towards the over here. Let me explain. Prior to the Seattle Mariners making the playoffs, they had the longest North American playoff drought. Now that designation belongs to the Sacramento Kings. Hasn't made it since 2005. Of course, they, they wanted to make the playoffs before. But now it's got to be part of the franchise's mission to end this monotony. What makes them different is that during this year, almost every team that's in the 8-10 to 10 range much rather be 10 or 11, hopefully, than 8 because of the prospect of Victor Wenbenyama, who 7-4, shoots like Kevin Durant, handles like Steph Curry, I mean, I'm being a little bit hyperbolic, but you get what I mean. He's the number one prospect maybe ever, maybe since Kareem, maybe since LeBron. He's one of those guys. So anybody else has reason to tank because making the playoffs doesn't mean much compared to the chance. We're going to talk about the Spurs. They tanked and got Tim Duncan. Greg Popovich in his last year might do that again. The Kings, I think, want to make the playoffs. They have a core that's mature enough. De'Aaron Fox is twenty year 24, Demonte Sabonis, two-time All-Star. He's not in the place where he wants to waste a year or two tanking. I feel like this team's going to go for it. So that makes me lean to the over. I think they're a team that's going to be eager throughout the whole season. Uh, so, yeah, that's my take on them. All right, I dig it. You know, I, I kind
0: of wonder what Keegan Murray's going to look like because I don't think we know his ceiling. We know Davion Mitchell, the guy off the bench. Um, he comes out and, he, and, you know, he could put points on the board. You know, he's kind of like a, a sixth man of the year kind of candidate. I would probably lean over with you with that because, like I said, I think this team could surprise teams, and I think they will be undervalued. I could see the sports books just looking at Sacramento like it's the same old Sacramento team from, you know, all the years past where they just haven't done anything in so long and kind of just really just underrating this team, and maybe we could sneak out some money with this team. Now, the next team, Mac, is it fair if I give up on the team before we even start the season? (laughs) Well, have they given up on themselves? If so, then yes, it's fair. I don't believe that they have. And let's talk about the L.A. Lakers. Talk about LeBron <laughs> and and the rest of the crew. So their title odds shop consensus lines go ahead. Let's call it 20-1 to one in their season win total right now is at 45.5. Mac, let me give you a couple concerns with this team. One, I tried to back this team multiple times last year to go ahead and make the playoffs, to go out there and win games. And I get it. Like, they, they weren't exactly the healthiest bunch. Russell Westbrook, he didn't seem like he fit very well onto this team. And I think a lot of people are banking on health with this team this year. And there's going to be a wager that I'm going to talk about. I'll probably talk about that on our Monday podcast that I want to make. But I don't know if if health is going to be able to hold out with this team. And, and that's really where a lot of my dislike for this team comes from. And a lot of, you know, the look, I made bets on this team last year. I, I put confidence in them and I was betting them to win the title. And it just, it, it didn't come up roses. Let's just, let's just say that. So uh, there's no way I can mess with this Lakers team. Can, there's just no way I have to see this team go out there and perform and see what kind of role that, because I think there's going to be a different makeup to this team. And with Darvin Ham stepping in, this is not going to be the same team. At least, at least I don't think that that operates on the floor. Like they did last year. Like they have to change. Uh, I think a lot of things with this team and, and r- without me seeing it and saying like, hey, this works or, hey, this doesn't, I don't want to put any wager on this team. I don't want to fade them. I don't want to play on them. I just want to stay the hell away from the Lakers and say, you know what? It's 25 games in the season. I know who they are. And now I can make a decision. And at least I could do it, hopefully, when they're healthy. Because last year I wasn't doing it when they were healthy. I was betting you know, on that team thinking that, Guys were going to come back, and they were going to be this great team, and they were going to go out there, and and LeBron's going to do what LeBron does. He's going to end up in the finals again, and it didn't work out well. So I'm salty, yeah. I'm sour about it, and you guys heard me you know, preach and stuff like that on the podcast about the Lakers last year, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going out on a limb, not putting my reputation on the line with this team right now. So it's an in-season bet for me. It's a wait and see, and my honest-to-God feeling, I think there's a chance that the Lakers miss the playoffs. That's That's kind of where I'm leaning right now, and that's where
1: I'm at. How about you, Mac? How are you feeling about the Lakers? Are you as pissed off at them as I am? Well, I'm not pissed off at them. I did lose uh, one max bet on the Lakers last year. It it definitely pissed me off. But generally, I was all right. I was pretty pessimistic on them, which was the right attitude to have with the Lakers. This season, entering this season, I'm cognizant of the fact that this, this was a title favorite last year. Expected to have the best record. That's now expected to be the seventh seed by win total. That's a huge downgrade that the Vegas market has made. For a team that dealt with a lot of injuries last year, I think the downgrade's appropriate. I'm not sure if it's too much or too little, but I think it's appropriate. Because, yes, Anthony Davis should play more games this year. LeBron James should play more games this year. They were 11-11, 50%, 500, a 41-win team with both those guys active. And zero answers, zero questions were answered about their relationship with Russell Westbrook after the season last year. Westbrook said, they said they wanted me to be me. They wanted Russ to be Russ, but that wasn't true. Whoa, shots fired. Shots fired. I thought there was zero chance that Westbrook would be on the roster when he said those words. By the way, Brian Windhorse, longtime ESPN reporter, longtime close with LeBron. He said after that, that, well, Russell Westbrook cannot be on this team. After saying that, he made that clear. In fact, he went as far to say he said that to guarantee that he will not be on this team. Well, sometimes the trade market dries up and he's still on this team. And you can feel the tension. You might have seen the viral video, Patrick Beverly, New Laker, is trying to gather everybody together for a preseason game, which is weird. He's trying to gather them together, a little mid-game huddle. Westbrook wants no part of that life. So that's not going to work. However, Darvin Ham, new coach, fresh eyes. He had the idea to bring Westbrook off the bench. They're trying that in the preseason. I think that might be a solution that works. Just have him, you know, like blinders on, focused on his 15 minutes of superstardom a game and kind of separate him from the rest of the team. Maybe that will work because there's zero chemistry right now between Westbrook and the rest of the crew, especially LeBron and AD. So that makes me pessimistic. That said, On paper, this is better than the seventh team in the West. So I'm waiting to see. I'll be happy uh, if they're clicking like 2019 to say, okay, this team is far underrated. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this team's going to have a lot of fireworks, a lot of first take segments, but not necessarily be a lot better than last year. All right, with that, will wrap up that division. Before we get into the next
0: one, let me go ahead and tell you guys what is going on right now at pregame.com. Simply go to pregame.com. Purchase a pick, pick something up for me, pick something up for Mackenzie, Fezzik, Uncle Dave, whoever it might be, and enter code NBA20. What will that do? That'll save you 20% on any purchase at pregame.com. It's extremely simple. It'll save you money. You have nothing to lose when you enter code NBA20. All right, let's get into our next division. Let's jump over to the Southwest Division. I have a team total here that I actually like here, Mac. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make a bet here. Uh, on the San Antonio Spurs, under their season win total of twenty-two and a half, current title odds for the San Antonio Spurs team right now are anywhere from five hundred to a thousand to one. This is the lowest team total right now out of any team in the league. Twenty-two and a half for the Spurs. I don't know, Mackenzie. A team that's—I mean, this is a team that's just been unrecognizable the last few years. But you know, at times of you and I, you know, I think this is something that we did amazing last year. We were making money on bad teams. And I think I can make money on this team throughout the year, but I think I can make money with them with their season win total. I think this is the worst team on paper, if you ask me. I mean, you have Trey Jones starting at point guard with Devin Vassell, Jeremy Socran, Keldon Johnson, and he's probably their best player. You have Jacob Potl out there. And then it's a bunch of just no-namers. Like, this bench is just weak. And I think if you go back through the last couple years, it's not very hard to find a team that's won under 22 games. Like there's been 16 win teams, 17, 19, 20, 22. I don't see the Spurs going over this total. Even though it's Popovich and he's there, I think a lot of people are going to be riding him this year. This is going to, I think this is going to be, if this is his last year truly, it's going to be a sour year for him. It, it, he's not going out on a good note unless he gets away from this team. So I just see nothing but disaster in San Antonio this year. This team's not that good. There, there's a couple of little bright spots here or there. But over 22 and a half wins is something that I will not entertain. So I'm going to go ahead and give you guys that. I'll make that my first team total here that I give you guys. San Antonio Spurs under 22 and a half. I would be surprised if this team breaks out of the teens or if they're just simply not a team that tanks this year and Popovich is on his way and, and that's a wrap. So that's where I'm at right now with the Spurs there. Mackenzie, how about you?
1: I agree with the pick. I kind of disagree with your analysis. You're saying it's going to be a a sour year for Popovich. I think it's going to be all smiles. I think this is planned. This is preordained. Popovich came into San Antonio as the GM. David Robinson had an issue. They said, you know, rest the whole year. That's cool. Be the worst team in the league. Worked out. Lottery balls went their way. They got Tim Duncan. I feel like Greg Popovich knows what this is. I feel like when they traded DeJounte Murray, they told the world, like, okay, all right, reset, we tried, we'll be back, but it's not going to be this year. In fact, during a recent press conference, Popovich said, do not bet the Spurs to win the championship. All right, I got it. I wasn't planning to, but I think the hidden message there, the subtext here, is we know we're going to be bad. We're planning to be bad. So under 22 and a half, it's funny. Usually the worst team in the league, you look historically, goes over their total. Not so recently. Three out of the last five have gone under. Look at the Magic last year. Everyone expected them to be terrible. They had no offensive firepower. They were terrible. They had no offensive firepower. I think we're going to get rinse and repeat here. Uh, Spurs under is the way I would look as well. Yeah, there, there's just no way I can
0: I can go ahead and, and, and have any positives with this, this Spurs team right now. I, I simply just don't like them. I, I think that it's going to get ugly, and it's going to get ugly quick for this team. I could see them getting bombed on a nightly basis, kind of similar to you know the Houston Rockets. We should just talk about the Rockets, so let's let's just stick with the two bad teams in this division right now. Uh, the Rockets right now, 23 and a half is their win total, just similar 500 to one on FanDuel and 1,000 1, to one on DraftKings. If you're betting the Houston Rockets to win the title, share some of your money with me. <laughs> so, Mac, I'll kick it over to you first with Houston. I'm not sure how you feel about this team. I feel very similar with this team as I do the San Antonio Spurs, but... I, I can clearly say the Rockets are better than San Antonio right
1: now. Well, I do a CBS, ESPN, NBA 2K average of their top 100 players. Each of those media institutions comes out with their top 100 players list. They have all of their guys vote in NBA 2K. People sometimes get on me on that for using that one. I actually think that's the sharpest of the three institutions because they're paid to be accurate. Players of the game want to play uh you know, with the best players and have that represented with the media, it's more tenuous, how much, what, how much truth their audience wants, but whichever way I think each of them has merits and demerits. And I think they're all valuable. So I rank all each of their ranking. And I say, who has the least amount of top five, a top hundred players in their top five in their top four in their top three, the Spurs universally have the worst. They have the worst top five. They have the worst top four. They have the worst top three, et cetera. Keldon Johnson, their best player, is the worst best player. Mike Conley's right there with the Jazz, also as the worst best player on a team. The Rockets are right below them in every category. Top five, they're 29th. Top four, they're 29th. And they might have optimism. Jalen Green, uh, their center, Sangoon. They might have some players that might bubble up. They've shown zero promise to date, and I expect them – to continue to be the worst team in the or right there. I think
0: the one thing that we could actually look at with this team, and we've seen this many a times in the past, this team's young. And they've been young for a number of years, you know, outside of Eric Gordon. But this is a team that, that can go out there and surprise on, on a nightly basis. And and like you were talking about somebody bubbling up, uh, they, they certainly have a, a bunch of guys that can do that. You know, I think you have to worry about Jabari Smith, like what's his ceiling? This team could surprise, but on paper right now, it's, it's not a team that I like, and this could be a team, Mac, that, that kind of just smacks me in the mouth and says, you know, you should never underestimated us. Like, youth eventually does grow up. Some grows up quicker than than others. I mean, go and, and look at, you know, Edwards for the Timberwolves. I don't think people thought that he would be that good that quick, and some guys just get it, and some guys just don't. Some guys take a little bit longer, and I think with this team, it's just, it's kind of, you know, a little bit of a taking a longer approach, but... This team could smack me in the mouth, but I'm not willing to go ahead and, and bet them over. But um, I'm not looking to bet them under either. But I think that there's a chance that they could be one of the worst teams in the league.
1: Jalen Green has his critics, has his supporters. Outside of him, I mean, Kevin Porter Jr., okay. Some people like him. I, I never saw him as an above rotation player. Then you have Jabari Smith, the rookie. Then it falls off a cliff. I mean, Deshaun Tate has showed flashes. Eric Gordon's a veteran they really are going to be lacking on uh ways to go and things to do. And I feel like Jalen green, his personality playing in the G league, the crazy hair. I feel like he might just relish being on a bad team, Steve Francis style and just do crazy, uh, you know, put up crazy stats and not really care that his team's getting blown out. That might be unfair to him. I haven't really seen him in the league prove that that's his personality, but I just get that vibe with this team. If this team does not mind being terrible They're going to have their best two players, Porter Jr. and Green and probably Jabari Smith just, you know, chucking and having fun and not really caring about the scoreboard. That's one of the things that that worried me with this team last year where I didn't want to put money on them is that they had a a
0: lot of guys on that team that were just out there chucking up shots over and over and over again, trying to pad stats. And they were just very inconsistent. All of them. It was like Tate one night. He wanted to take 25 shots. And then you were like, well, where's Green at tonight? And then Green would come back the next night and he would put up 15 threes and he would make eight of them. And then he would do the same thing the next night and make none or one. Right. Trust me, I know with the with this team, you know, with the players that they have, it's not a very consistent group and and it's hard to put your money on um, on hoping and praying that they that they get it together. And I, I just think that there're too many inconsistent players on that team overall. That's it's kind of where I'm at with that team. All right, so we talked about the bad teams in that division. Let's go ahead and talk about the three teams in that division that actually made the playoffs last year, and that was the Mavericks, the Pelicans, and the Grizzlies. Let's start it out with the the one team out of the three that did not advance in the playoffs, In that was the New Orleans Pelicans, and they have a season win total right now that's set at 45, and their consensus title odds right now, let's go ahead and call that 45-1. to 1. Mac, I like the Pelicans. I talked about them last year. I liked them last year. Went ahead, I thought they would upset the Suns, and look, they, they gave me entertainment, right? I mean, that team was not the same team in the beginning of the year that they were at the end of the year. I mean, you bring in C.J. McCollum. Uh, Ingram was hurt for a little bit. I think they started out the season like 3-16 and or 3-19. and It wasn't a good start. There's no Zion Williamson, and now he's back. I'm optimistic with this team. I think that there's a good chance that they go over their win total because I don't think people – are grading Zion in this lineup correctly and looking at the results from the beginning of last year and the results from the end of last year, I just think this team's being mispriced. And I sat with you a couple of days ago and we were talking about you know this team in Vegas and you said, you know coming down the stretch and in the playoffs against the Suns, they looked like they were playing like a 50 win team without their best player. And that kind of struck me, it kind of made me think a little bit and I'm like, all right, cool. Now, I already like the Pelicans over. I'm going to go and I'm going to make that a bet. So I'm going to give that to you guys. I'm going to go and play the Pelicans over 45 wins. I think Zion is the X factor in this team, and he could be one of the better players in this league, or he could be the Zion that we've kind of just seen and, and just been waiting on. And and maybe he just never clearly just pops. But his numbers, his numbers say he's pretty damn good. So I'll give you guys the Pelicans over to 45 wins. I'll make that. My second win total. How about you, Mac? How are you feeling about the Pelicans? Are you as high on them as I am,
1: or or are you low on them? You got strong agreement with me. I like it even more than I did when we were talking about a week ago about it. In fact, I gave it out on Straight Out of Vegas AM, now with its own feed. Be sure to check that out. Gave it out at 43 and a half. It's been ticking up. So one reason to listen to these pods early and often, check out Straight Out of Vegas AM. You mentioned the second half of last year. I think this is the stat to key in on. Brandon Ingram played 10 games, regular season games, after the All-Star break. The team went 8-2 and two straight up, 8-2 and two ATS. Then they put a scare into, uh, into the Suns and put, moved that to six games. I, that's the team I think is about a 45, maybe even better, win team. They added C.J. McCollum. Brandon Ingram's finally coming to his own. And defensively, rebounding-wise, they were very strong in many areas. I think that team doesn't lose a thing. I think that team is intact. And I think Zion Williamson, the way that he plays, is all upside. Whether he, If he gets hurt, then, okay, we're dealing with the same team that I think would win 45 games last year. So that's fine. That's right with the number is. But what can, he can add, I think, is immense. Because, yeah, we saw Point Zion. He can play off the ball. But I think the def, the defensive and offensive rebounding is something that is Unique in the NBA. No other player has that s- combination of speed and power. I think that's plug and play. I think you you can say, we want you doing screens. We want you bringing the ball up. We want you running the court. And I think it just adds, it doesn't take anything away from the established, you know, success that we saw in the second half of last year. Remember, this was a new coach last year in Willie Green. And you mentioned it. They started out s- three and 16. And they said, okay, let's go ahead and make the playoffs and almost make the second round. That's a huge turnaround. Willie Green deserves a lot of credit for that. And I think that trend line is going to continue to tick up now that they're adding one of the most exciting players in the league. Uh, That's also, we saw this at Duke, one of the more selfless selfless players. Uh, He just figures out where he fits in and he excels at it. Zion Williamson.
0: All right. Well, I'm pretty damn convinced after that. Make me feel even better. It's funny you didn't tell me that a couple of days ago. I probably would (laughs) have went down to one of the sports books and placed a wager down uh, on them while I was there. But. Needless to say, I can I have my own sports book, so I can go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and let's jump over to a team that really confused me last year, and that's the Memphis Grizzlies, Mac. Right now, consensus odds for them to win the title, right around twenty-three to one. They have a season win total of forty-nine and a half. Now, this is something that I think that a lot of people fall into, and it's something that I that I fell into last year. I did not see this team doing what they did last year going into the season. When you have a player named Desmond Bain, and Dylan Brooks, and and Adams, we all know who Adams is, and guys off the bench like Jones and Clark. It's like, where's the all-star name? Where's that John ja Morant? Or, you know, where's that, you know, Zion Williamson, or, or Jason Tatum, or somebody like that. Like, it just, it's like a band of nobodies. But they played like they were the best team in the league at times. And sometimes I think that you don't have to have a bunch of all-star players. You can have a bunch of B players that all play well together, and they can go out there and do the job each and every night. And I think that's what this team was last year. But I wonder if they overachieved, and I wonder if Desmond Bain really is you know, uh, a top player in this league, or Dylan Brooks is a top player in this league. So I did, I felt like I didn't go into the season with my eyes wide open, or maybe I did. I don't know with this team. I just felt like they just – they just didn't have that name, and they didn't have the the all star recognition and all these, you know, banners and things like that with with this group. And and I underestimated them, so that was my fault. And I'm, I'm sure you've probably done this before, Mac, where you just look at the roster and you're just like, "Where's the highlight reel at?" Yeah. Outside of John Morant, where's the highlight reel? And that's kind of what I fell into with this team last year. So I think they overachieved, and I'm I'm still sticking to that, and I'm I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I would probably lean towards the under with this team, but I'm not very confident in that. How about you, Mac? How are you feeling about Memphis? Do you, do you have any of the same feelings or did you have any of the same feelings that I had last year with this team? Yeah, I do.
1: And in fact, this is one of my three picks under 49 and a half wins for the Grizzlies. And it's a lot of what you're saying. I think this is the stat to key in on 21 and five was the record that the Grizzlies had without their MVP candidate, the guy that does everything when he's out there, John Morant. That's how good the ancillary pieces for the Grizzlies were. Everything was clicking. By the way, that 21-5 and is actually a lot better because the last three games, nobody was playing, not just John Morant. So in competitive games where they weren't resting guys down the stretch, 20-2 and straight up. That's how good the Grizzlies were. But that's not the team that we're getting. John Morant isn't probably going to miss a quarter of the season. And if he does... There's no saying they're going to catch lightning in a bottle again. I think we have to look at this team when John Morant is out there. And that team is five and a half points worse on defense with Morant out there than when Morant sat last year. So he's a young player. He's going to get better in defense. He's going to get better at slowing the game down and you know helping his teammates and team play better defense. But in general, I think this team gets a lot of love from Center, a lot of love from the grit and grind guys that just love the Grizzlies franchise. And I don't think they're any better. I think this team was a 47-ish win team last year that caught a lot of teams on uh, nights where they didn't have it, and the Grizzlies did. A lot of guys are better in the West, and that's pretty much the heart of the handicap. Grizzlies aren't any better, but the Clippers, a lot better. The Lakers, I think health-wise, better, probably talent-wise, better. The Warriors, we've seen what they can do. The Suns, at least as good as last year. Mavericks probably step up. This is Luka's MVP year. Uh, At least the odds say so. So I think they're the odd man out. I think they're talent-wise probably above average, maybe two points better than average. Uh, Maybe spirit-wise, great head coach, favored to be coach of the year. You know, you bump them up another point, point and a half. They're priced significantly better than that. I don't think they're a top three team in the West. By the way, haven't Mm -hmm. even mentioned Defensive Player of the Year candidate Jaron Jackson Jr., Not going to be there probably the first couple months of the season. They were five points better on defense when he was on the court. So five points worse on defense when Morant is out there. Five points better on defense when Jackson was out there. They're not going to have Jackson. They will have Morant. I don't think this is going to be an above-average defense. I don't think this is going to be as good as last year, missing that Defensive Player of the Year candidate. And if they're just as good, a lot of teams in the West are better. That's why I like the under forty nine and a half.
0: and that's one of the reasons why I love doing this podcast, Mac, is because you you hit us with the stats and I, I try to get the situational, you know, thinking about how the players are feeling and, you know, what the coach is doing and, and, you know, on the road and this and that and the other, but you, you know, with the, when it comes to the stats, like you're the man with that. And, and Jaron Jackson is going to be, I think he's going to be sorely missed because now you're, you're really leaning on an older player like Steven Adams to go out there and go out there and defend the rim. Like, I don't think there's any, I don't want to say any, there's not even a handful of guys out there that can, you know, go ahead and defend the rim. Like Jackson can, he's going to be missed. And I think the defense with that team is going to struggle. And he's probably the only other guy. And I was like, I like him. I think he, he's a good piece for this team. And I, like I was talking about guys with no names, like Bane and stuff like that. Like Jackson was always on my list. Like he was always, you know, a, a player that I always looked at. And he's going to be missed. So, you know, we'll see how that team ends up starting out the year. This might be a team you know, that we probably might want to look at fading early on. And uh, that's certainly something that we want to do. And and they might struggle, you know, offensively and defensively. Because when you miss a key piece like that, a big body like that, a rim protector, that could throw a little bit of wrench into your system. All right, so one more team here to go ahead and wrap up in the Southwest Conference. Let's go ahead and talk about last year's Western Conference finalists. And that was the Dallas Mavericks. This year, they're going to come in here with 35 to 1 odds to go ahead and win the title. And they have a season win total of 48 and a half. Mac, there were a lot of people that were really optimistic with this team going into the finals. And I got to be honest, I was a little worried because Luca, Luca's Luca, dude. That dude's a baller. And I don't want to go and say he's the best player in the league right now, but I guess I'll say I think Luca is the best player in the league right now. Like, I think that dude is that damn good. And I don't know if he can carry this team to a title, but. I think they could certainly get over 48 wins. I think there's a chance that, you know, they could be right back in the Western Conference Finals. I'm just worried about the guys around them. Like, I think they have to step it up a lot. And I just don't know if Luka can can carry this team. I don't want to say they overachieved last year. I think they achieved what they were supposed to. Maybe. I don't know. But overall with the Mavericks, this is a team I'm going to wait and see because the West is tough. And if it comes down to, you know, kind of like a war of attrition type of thing. I worry about the guys that are behind Luca, And he might try to carry this team, you know, all the way as far as he can. And I could see him maybe wearing down at the end of the year. Maybe there's an injury in there somewhere. I would bet him to win the MVP. And we'll talk about that a little bit on Monday. But right now, the Mavs are a wait-and-see. They're a wait-and-see team for me. Um, I did not like what I saw with them going up against the Warriors last year. It felt like they were just outmanned and outgunned. And, again, it, it was... I felt like they like they just left Luka on an island. So I'm going to stay away, wait and see with the Mavericks. How about you?
1: I agree with you on Luka that he's right there as the best player or one of the best players in the league. Steph Curry looked pretty good in the Western Conference Finals against him, but yeah, he's right there. My question is, how much did they miss Jalen Brunson? And I initially wanted to go over on the Mavericks early in the process. I was reading a GM survey from ESPN.com that asked who had the worst offseason in the league, and it opened my eyes because it said, I think seven out of the ten said the Dallas Mavericks. And I'm like, what? They added Christian Wood. They're better than last year. Losing Jalen Brunson for nothing might be worse than we expect because, yeah, they were in a bidding war with the Knicks, but it sounds like from people close to the Mavericks that they expected him to be part of the roster this season. They thought they were going to get other offers, and they were able to match and keep him. You talk about firepower behind Luka. That was the artillery weapon of choice. When Luka went to the bench or even when he needed a rest, the offensive creativity really started with Jalen Brunson. Now Spencer Dinwiddie's in that role. I'm not sure he's going to have the same success. Let's talk about Christian Wood, their big addition. He's supposed to be Kristaps Porzingis. He's supposed to be the, the big man that can guard the rim and shoot threes. Statistically fine. He's good. His efficiency on the Rockets last year, he's never really been part of a winner. And now we're asking him to be you know, a top four team in the West win total wise. It's asking a lot. So I think if if you wanted to bet this over, you might as well bet Luca to win MVP because he's going to have to be Superman to get 50 wins. That's how I feel about the Mavericks. I like
0: that. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that one of the things when it comes to Wood Mac is like he's like the Houdini of the league to me. (laughs) It's like, dude, this guy just went bonkers for four games in a row and then all of a sudden, you're like, where is this guy? Is he even playing? Anymore? Where'd he go? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he just he disappears too much. But I do think Brunson is going to be a big loss. And I don't know if Dinwiddie, you know, can step in there and do his thing. I mean, right now, I mean, there's JaVale McGee there and, and Reggie Bullock. It's like, defensively, I think they'll be okay. Offensively, I, I wonder. I Luka's going to have to do a lot. So we'll see with this team. And, and look, I think they could surprise us and end up right back in the Western Conference Finals. I would be surprised if that happened but if they can get it together with this with you know the the makeup of this team they can give anybody a run so we'll see with that team let's jump over to the northwest division there are some interesting teams uh, in here I have a season win total that I'm going to go ahead and play under uh, I'll save that team till uh we'll save them for last mac let's talk about the the team that's probably going to finish last in this division and that's the Utah Jazz uh, I did a podcast last year with Smoove and You guys know who Smooth is. He's on pregame.com. And we talked about the Utah Jazz and the potential that this team absolutely just blows up this this roster. And that happened. Gobert is not there. And Donovan Mitchell is not there. And they just don't have a a lot. And their best player right now, I believe, is injured at 500 to 1 or 1,000 to 1 to win the title. There's no way in hell. I wouldn't bet that with found money. Their season win total right now is at 24 and a half. I think they're going to rival the Spurs for the worst team in the league. I don't have anything positive to say about this team, Mac. They were all in for the last couple of years, and I felt like they had a really good team, a team that that could have made the finals, not necessarily went ahead and, and won the title, but a team that that could have, should have, would have went there. You know, with Mitchell and Gobert, the friction that was there. I don't think that that was more of a, of a, a personal thing. I think it was more of we're just not winning games that we should be winning. We should be, you know, almost at the at the finish line here with this crew. And they just didn't get there. Bogdanovich and Ingles and, and that whole crew. I, that was a good basketball team. But this team is just, they're bad. And that's the easiest way to put it. They're bad and don't expect anything from Utah. This might be a team that we want to bet against, Mac, to be honest with you. Like, this team's going to be bad this year. There's, that's all there is really to say about them. I, I, I don't know what else to say. It's gonna be it's gonna be ugly. It's gonna be a rebuilding year, and it's it is what it is. You can't lose those two players and go and mitchell and expect to go ahead and, and be competitive in any way, you know, the next year. So that's where I'm at with Utah. They stink. I'll just say it like <laughs> that. They're not gonna they're not gonna be good. So I'm 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 looking to either play on or play against them, you know, throughout the regular season.
1: You're a hundred percent right. There's one thing I should add. They are gonna be bad. And if I'm a Jazz fan, my response is, finally, finally, they're going to be bad. The Jazz, other than the Spurs, have been the most consistent playoff-performing team over the last 40 years. They've made 32 out of the last 38 playoffs. That yielded, let me count them, mm, zero titles and two finals appearances. And I'm sure there was a lot of good times during the Sloan era. Darren Williams gave us some smiles in salt lake city donovan mitchell and robert and uh, rudy gobert had efficiency wise one of the best teams i mean they were number one in the west in 2021 one of the best teams on paper over the last five years it didn't work it had to end it has ended and danny ainge did this with the celtics he got rid of pierce garnett ray allen at the same time rebuilt that team with draft picks got Jane jason tatum got Jalen brown that's the that's the prototype and I don't think anyone's gonna. anyone should be mad at Salt Lake City for winning 15 games this year. I think that's the plan and probably should be.
0: I do have to question what you said a little while ago about Mike Conley being the best player on this team. Would you say that Sexton might be better or, or, or Clarkson? It's
1: an interesting question. Conley uh, looked washed at the end of last year. So he's down arrow. So he's, you know, how far has he fallen from being a top 100 player in the league? Last year, a top 50 player in the league. Probably the beginning of last year, I would have estimated. I don't know. Jordan Clarkson, though, I know what he is. He's pretty effective. He's a sixth man for a reason. He has a specific role. And Colin Sexton, he was good when the Cavs were bad. Every year the Cavs got better, he got worse. That is not what I'm looking for in a leader of a team where he usually doesn't perform as well when the, when the, when the teammates step it up. Sounds like a guy that's, you know, good team. Rather good stats, bad team guy. Well, he's on a good team to put up stats and not really win anything. So yeah, maybe he's there. Maybe he's above Conley at this point. It's six of one, half a dozen the other. They don't have any good players. It sounds like a
0: role that Sexton's gonna be pretty comfortable in, right? I right. think with another with another bad team, he actually might might perform quite well. Maybe we can look at some uh, you know some props throughout the year with him. I mean, maybe we can catch him at an early time in the market. I think that there's
1: a, a pretty good chance of that. That is not a bad idea because I forgot who said it first, but I like the expression. Team's going to score 100 points a game. Somebody's going to score 100 points a game. Well, actually, now it's probably 110. So Sexton, Clarkson, someone's putting up 30 on a a given night often. And I don't know if the market's going to identify as quickly as we can who their number one, number two guys are. I think that's a prop market we should be looking at. Yeah. All right.
0: So with that bad team out of the way, let's jump into another bad team or at least a team that everybody's going to perceive. Is uh, coming into this year as a terrible team, and that's the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I know you like Gilgis Alexander. I know you have him as you know one of your one of your better players. And I'm just curious where you where you have him at. Is he still you know one of the guys that you're that you're really really high on with this
1: particular crew? Yeah, I'm very high I'm on this crew or any other. I have him with this crew. We're three and a half points to the line, and I think if anything, that's conservative because he set out a game last year. They lost by 70. I kid you not. He sat out. They lost by 70. So this is a guy that consistently improves the performance of his team. I like his energy. I like his spirit. He said in an interview recently, look, I understand that people think they might want to trade me, might want to tank again. I'm tired of losing. I came here understanding it was going to be a long-term process, but I think we're towards the end of that process. And yeah, that's why I think if anything, uh, I would lean to the over. I don't think this team is ready to tank. Uh, I think losing Chet Holmgren kind of bumped this down more than it should. Rickys rarely make an impact positively on a team. And I think Josh Giddy, the uh, 19-year-old from Australia, I think SGA. SGA, my 25th best player in the league. I have Josh Giddy top 70. They can win some games with that starting backcourt. Not many, but but a few. I think they
0: they stand a good chance to go over to season win to Mac, And a lot of that's due to if Alexander stays healthy – I think the fact that this team's been together with the addition of Giddy, that they could just eventually just like wear teams down. Like this this team reminds me of like an energizer bunny that just it just keeps going and going and going. They don't play much defense or anything like that. But I think this team, like I was talking about before, very young, extremely young. And if they all grow together and they kind of have like that, you know, Alexander attitude where we're tired of losing and we're tired of you know being the the doormat of the NBA they might come out with with just a different type of attitude and and, and play spirited basketball every night where they're they're looking at teams like you know there's a target on every team. like this team has revenge against everybody. I mean if there were WNBA teams in the league I think they'd have revenge against those against some of those teams. And I think their youth is what they can depend on and if Alexander can carry this team 23 and a half I think they can go over that.
1: I think we got to give credit to their coach, too, Mark Dagnell. Dagn- I'll never be able to pronounce it, but I'll try every time. Uh, they had the best ATS record out of any team with a losing record by far last year. That shows me they were trying in a lot of games the market didn't expect. And, yeah, I, I think especially the way the lottery's flattened out, where if you have the 10th worst record, you still have a good chance of getting number one. I feel like this team's like likely to win 25, 26, 27 games, so, which would be four games over their win total.
0: And that's kind of where I'm sitting too. I'm sitting, I'm sitting in that area with this team right now. I don't want to make that an official pick. I have one more that I like uh, quite a bit, so we'll we'll see on OKC. Um, might be a tough year, but we're feeling a little bit more optimistic than maybe than most. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's talk about the Minnesota Timberwolves consensus title odds on this team, right around thirty-four to one. Season win total forty-eight and a half. I like this Timberwolves team. I think the addition of Golbert completely changes who this team is. Uh, You're going to have Cat out there doing his thing. I mean, he played – he was starting to play a lot more outside of the paint, and I think that he was comfortable out there. Call me crazy here, Mac. I think the X factor is D'Angelo Russell on this team. I think the other pieces, I think Cat, Golbert, and Edwards, I think they they know who they are. They know what they need to do, but we need Russell to – to go ahead and drive this taxi through the busy streets of New York and not get hurt and go out there and just do what he does and, and distribute the basketball to these guys, get them on their spots and don't get hurt and don't go out there and gun up a bunch of shots in a game where you don't need to, because there's just enough talent around you. This is a sneaky team. This is a dark horse team to me. Not only do I think they can go over their win total, but I think that they have a good chance to win this game division, I think there's a chance, an outside chance, that they can win the conference. I think Rudy Gobert makes a massive difference with this team just defensively. Where you get a defensive player of the year on your team, it makes a difference. I'm pro Minnesota right now. I like them. I'll probably end up placing a wager on this team to go over their season win total, even if a player gets hurt. I think there's enough depth on this team and enough talent that they could potentially go ahead and at least keep me in the running to go ahead and cash that ticket. This is a team I'm I'm excited to watch. I want to see what they look like. I'm excited for this team. This is a team that I think is going to turn some heads and kick some ass this year. That's where I'm at with them right now.
1: I tend to agree with you. I I think this is a a team much like the Grizzlies last year that has a lot of uh, reason to be energized for the regular season with the addition of Gobert. I was surprised when I did this. So I talked about, I have a, uh, media player ranking. So NBA 2K CBS and ESPN. And according to them, their player rankings and averaging them, the Timberwolves have the second best big three in the league. Only Giannis drew holiday Kevin, and Middleton with the bucks are a better big three according to the media Than Carl Anthony towns, Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards. You mentioned the X-Factor might be D'Angelo Russell. Also, Jared Vanderbilt, an above-average player. I'm surprised to see them that high. And you talk about this league as a big three, but higher-ranked than the Warriors' big three, higher-ranked than the Sixers' big three. They have three, arguably, top 30 players. And I don't really disagree with those rankings. I think Karl-Anthony Towns is probably closer to 30 than 20, which is what most people, media, media members, have him in. But I think his weaknesses are masked by Rudy Gobert quite well. I think... It might look kind of weird to have seven-footers out there, but when Carl Anthony Towns can, has 35-foot range, Rudy Gobert can't shoot a lick. Carl Anthony Towns really doesn't want to get messy. Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, every single year candidate. Seems to be a good marriage to me. I, I, I'm optimistic on this team. I want to wait and see, but on a game-to-game basis, I think I'm more likely to bet on this team early in the season.
0: I think what's going to end up being a, a real trouble spot for any team playing this team is, is trying to beat them on the glass. Like, I don't see anybody beating this team on a nightly basis on the glass. Like, I think you're going to have to have these high-shooting percentage teams that that can just go ahead and and, and pretty much just fill it up. Because if you're not making buckets against these guys, I don't know how the hell you win the rebounding battle uh, on any given night. I think that's going to be the biggest struggle for some of these teams. And it might even take a seven-game series to kind of figure it out. But on a nightly basis, I think the teams are going to struggle just on the glass. And I would – more than likely, probably play this team over. So I am optimistic with them. Here's a team I have no clue about. I don't know what to do with this team, Mac, and that's the Portland Trail Blazers. The, the sports books are kind of weird with this team right now. So on FanDuel you can get 180 to one. On DraftKings you can get 80 to one. So let's just call our shops consensus line 100 to one. We'll we'll do that. And Dame Lillard's back, and CJ McCollum's not there. They bring back Nurkic, they ship out Covington, they bring in Jeremy Grant, Josh Hart. We know he's a, he's a team player. Gary Payton III, who I think he he played a huge role last year in the Warriors, you know, going ahead and, and raising the banner to go ahead and win the title. But I don't know what to make of this team. I don't know if Anthony Simmons is, is the answer to the departure of McCollum. I don't know how Dame feels with this team. Their team total right now for the season at 39 and a half. I'm worried, but I do have faith in Dame. How do you feel? And tell me how you feel first, and I i could probably, maybe you can go ahead and coax something out of me with this team.
1: I have more faith in Dame than the media, by far. I don't understand the the reappraisal of Damian Lillard. So Damian Lillard's been a top 10 player perennially. hit that famous shot, one of only two players in NBA history to have multiple series-ending shots. Him and Michael Jordan did that thing. So he's a top-ten player every year. Last year, gets a new coach. There's a trade request, which he later refutes, kind of goes after that media member that, that said that because uh, apparently it wasn't true. And he's also hurt. Abdominal injury, doesn't play 50 games last year. So after being seventh by ESPN in 2020, eighth in 2021, He's now 14th. CBS has him 13th. NBA 2K has him 18th. I haven't changed my rating on Damian Lillard at all. He's Damian Lillard. He had like a bad shooting stretch of 20 games. And now he's a, from a top 10 player to a top 20 player. Not in my opinion. I still have faith in him. That makes me like uh, or lean to the over. Don't have as much faith in the rest of the squad. Anthony Simon's got a big deal, probably too young. So they're, they're betting. I mean, it worked out with Steph Curry. You pay a guy really young. Maybe he turns out to be better than you expect, but I think he's kind of overpaid at the moment. Jeremy Grant, same thing. Big splash. Not sure it's going to work right away. So I'm optimistic on Damian Lillard becoming a top 10, rejoining the top 10 player club. More pessimistic on the rest of the team. Leaves me pretty neutral on this over-under.
0: The only reason why I would even consider this team to actually win a bunch of games this year is because I felt like they lost all hope when you lose your player in Damian Lillard, that, I mean, that's not going to be a fun season, and you know that. And they probably had worries that this was going to end up being a team that was blown up, and maybe they're just here filling in for a year and they're shipped off to, you know, some crumb bum team in the league. And, you know, it's just, uh, what do you have to look forward to? Well, now you have Damian Lillard to look forward to. He said, I'm coming back. You know, I'm going to be a trailblazer. This is where I want to be. And I I believe that. Like, I actually do believe that. And I think Lillard, in my opinion, when it comes to new players, could probably just mix in with that dude. Like, he seems like he's just a likable guy that can get down with anybody on any given night, don't matter who you are, what color you are. It does not matter. Like, Dame Lillard just seems like he's just a genuine dude. Like, I could see if I knew him, he would be a buddy of mine. That's just the way that I always felt about him. And I think if the players feel the same way and they kind of just have this, I could see this being like a, just a team that can just glue together. And if you're gluing around a guy like Lillard, I think they can make good things happen. Defensively, I think this team will be okay. And I think Jeremy Grant and I think Simmons, you know, being inserted into this lineup as kind of, you know, new, new key pieces. And they're not bad players. I mean, we've seen what Grant did when he was in Detroit and we've seen what Simmons did, you know, just last year. But, I mean, I watched Simmons when he was with Arizona. I mean, the, the kid's pretty talented. I'm optimistic, but we do have to see what this team looks like. And 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 if I see, you know, a lot of high five and a lot of smiles early on there, McKenzie, I'm going to look to bet on this team because I feel like the market probably will not have them priced correctly. So, there's a team I'm looking forward to. It just And I think a lot of it, Mac, is probably – Like, we want Lillard, right? Like, we want to see the best players in the league, especially a guy like that that can go out there, shoot your lights out, and we see him, you know, on on the screen in these highlight reels. It was like, like, when you miss the best players in the league, it sucks. Like, when KD went down and Clay Thompson went down, it was like, dude, like, the league's just not the same. And the league was not the same last year without Damian Lillard. And I will say that. So, I don't know if you felt like that with Dame. And, and probably uh, multiple other players, Mac, but like that's the way I felt. Like the NBA missed Dame Loeb last year, and now he's back. I think he might have something to say.
1: You talk about how I bring a certain uh, quantitative aspect to this podcast. I think you've demonstrated clearly right there that your sense of these things is right on, right on, dead on, hit the nail on the head. Uh, this particular team, you said it, they lost hope last year, and it was evident, which I think. Kind of makes me want to throw out all the data from last year. If you look at ATS margin, going back to 1995, this Blazers team last year, without the Lillard for most of it, was the worst team against expectations of the last 27 years. Wasn't even close. Negative 4.6 ATS margin. Besides them, the worst was minus 3.5. So by a point-plus worst team against the market we've ever seen, the market, you talk about not pricing them correctly. They couldn't price. They couldn't bring their power rating low enough to how bad this team got last year with a new coach, without their best player, without their talisman. I feel like I want to just throw that out. I want to see what this project looks like this year and start fresh because last year was as bad as we've ever seen. And that's one of the things
0: I love about doing the podcast. I'll say it again. Mackenzie will fill in all the numbers for me. Let's fill in the last number here, and that's going to be With the Denver Nuggets, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys this one. I'm playing their team total under 50 and a half. So this will be my third team total that I'm going to go ahead and play for this podcast. Right now, their title odds are right around 20 to 1. Look, Mac, this is going to be a good team. And I'm, I'm saying that right up front. This team will be good this year. But I think it's going to take time. I think there's going to be an identity crisis with this Nuggets team to go ahead and start out the year. And here's why. You bring in Jamal Murray, and I think a lot of people are really optimistic about him. He hasn't played basketball in quite some time. You bring in a guy like KCP. He's been all over the league. He's just another body that they have to put out there that people just aren't familiar with. Michael Porter, I don't have anything against the guy, but he's hot and cold. And when he gets the ball, he wants to shoot. And I think that that's going to create a lot of issues with Murray. I think there's going to be a lot of, what do we do with KCP? And then you have a guy like Aaron Gordon, who, look, I, I he's probably in the top 100, but he, he, I don't think he's really any better than that. But it all comes down to Jokic. The MVP of this team is going to have to change the way that he plays this game. And we've seen what this team looks like when he's out there doing what he does best. He's running up and down the court. He, he kind of reminds me of, like, LeBron when LeBron played the five. He was able to run the break. He was able to distribute the basketball, rebound, shoot threes shoot from the inside, just do whatever you need to do. This dude's an NBA MVP player. And if you mess with his game in any way, I think this team struggles. And there's no way with this lineup that they don't screw with Jokic's game. And that's one of my biggest fears is that it's going to take him a while to get going. It's going to take Murray a while to get going. KCP, Michael Porter, if he can even stay healthy, This team's going to struggle early. So I'm calling for an identity crisis with this team through the first 20, 25 games of the season. And that's the only buffer I need for this team, not to go over 50 and a half wins. So I don't know if you agree with that, Mac, but that's where I'm at. This team's going to be good, but it's going to take them some time to figure out who they are, what they are. And once they do that, look out. This team's going to win games and they're going to beat good teams. But I'm playing under 50 and a half. Banking on the fact that they will struggle to find out who they are and what they are. And if they have to mess with Jokic in any way, it's going to take them time. That's where I'm at with this team right now.
1: I agree. I think sometimes you got to take two steps back to take three steps forward or however which way you want to have it. Jokic was singular, unique last year in how much he did for the Nuggets. One of the sites I look at, Dunks and Threes, has a great site. I mean, it has a great stat called EPM, estimated plus minus, how much you're adding to your team versus an average team pretty much. Jokic was the best in the league plus nine, 9.3. That's why you win MVP. You're you're adding nine points of value versus an average team to your team. Next best on the league was Aaron Gordon. Next best on the team was Aaron Gordon. One, plus one. Nobody else on the team was better than average, was adding to this team. So, okay, all right, well, sounds like a good – time to bring in a former all-star and Jamal Murray or an all-star caliber player, that changes a lot of things around. I'm not sure this team uh, will figure it out right away. However, in the playoffs, no team built around one guy has ever done anything. Ask James Harden. Luka Doncic kindly got close last year. Not really. This team's going to need to change their identity kind of a lot. So I'm not sure if I'm with you on the 50 and a half. I think I lean to the under, but early in the season, I think they're a great bet against team uh, because they're going from a one-man show to something completely different. I'll be betting against that team, certainly,
0: in the beginning of the year. And look, if I lose the team total, I think I'm going to make enough money in the beginning of the year on them that I'll never feel sour you know, with this team. And I like what you said about Jokic and, and being a one-man show with this team. The other issue I have with this team, too, Mac, is it's, it's kind of like the old NBA retread, like the big name, like a DeAndre Jordan-ish Smith. It's like, well, what are these guys really going to do for you at the end of the day? If this team has any type of injuries, asking those guys to fill in, to fill in a key role is, is tough. Now, look, I like Bones Highland. I think there's even a really good, I think there's a good chance that that dude could be like six man of the year. I think that that's not out of the question. I like him, but outside of like outside of him and maybe like Bruce Brown for defense or something like that, I don't like the depth of this team. I think they have to stay healthy and they have to figure it out. And they got to do it early. So uh, I'll stick to my guns here with Denver under and I'll be betting them. I'll be betting against them to go ahead and start the season, but that'll wrap up the Western conference. Good stuff there uh, from McKenzie, a little bit choppy there, Mac, our first podcast in uh, in quite some time. But I'll tell you what, man, it was fun. I'm excited for this season. As I mentioned, guys, You guys are going to get the Eastern Conference set up the same way, go through all the teams, give you guys our team totals and stuff like that. And then on Monday, Mac and I are going to go ahead and preview opening night tip-off for Tuesday. We'll give you guys our prop bet of the year for our team total, and we'll give you guys our division winner. And then anything else that we have, we'll go ahead and make sure that we share that with you. Mac, I'll go ahead. I'll give you the final
1: couple words here for the podcast. What do you got? Chip, chip, choppity, chip, chip, chop, chopping it up with you. Always top of my list. You want to take that
0: out? I don't know. It's terrible. No, no, you're good. Well, we got work to do, Mac. We have a, we we have to go ahead and show up this year because there's no way that we can go out um, and, and do what we did last year and, and at least not not perform. We got to at least be half as good. So we'll see. I do know this. Our pregame clients were extremely happy last year, and I think our podcast listeners were extremely happy um, as well. So we're going to do our best to go ahead and duplicate uh, for you guys again this season. I'm glad to have Mackenzie back, and and this is what we do, you know. We sit down, and, we, and Mac, how many texts do you think we'll end up sharing? Probably uh, each and every day throughout the NBA season, just getting ready for our podcast and and digging through bets. I hope you have your phone on, uh, have your phone on silent, and have it charged.
1: <laughs> I'd say over under seventeen and a half a night. It's right around there.
0: I'll tell you, man. We found our best bets, man. We found we found winners all year long, communicating with each other, and that was. Uh, that was, I think that was the key. The fact that me and you were able to go ahead and talk and attack from uh, both directions. But that'll wrap it up, guys. You guys know where to find Mackenzie and I on Twitter at sleepyj underscore pregame at Mac and Rivers. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast. This was the NBA edition of RJ Bell's Dream Preview. With that said, make sure you guys check out the Eastern Conference coming into your feed. <laughs>